Let's get ready to barbecue! Cowboy Kev here, welcoming you to the Man Meat Barbecue Show with your host, Mikey K. Man Meat Barbecue is proudly brought to you by Fire and Smoke Barbecue, catering and seasonings. You can check them out at fireandsmokebbq.com to order up all your seasonings, or if you're in the Chicago area, check out their catering menu. Looking for an instant read thermometer but without the crazy price tag? Check out Thermapro, the best-selling, most affordable thermometers on Amazon. With the introduction of the new Thermapro TP19, you can now get your hands on an ultra-fast instant read thermometer with all the features you could want, like waterproof, two-second timing, and highly accurate. And it's even got a backlit rotating display. And it's only $24.99. And even better, if you head over to AmazonTP.com backslash manmeat, and use the code MANMEATBBQ at checkout, you'll get an extra 15% off. 15% off of $24.99. You can't beat that. Are you a caterer? Maybe you own a restaurant. Or do you just want to cook the best damn barbecue on the block? Look no further than Myron Mixon Smokers, made right here in the USA. Myron Mixon Smokers has a full line of smokers, from the H2O water smokers all the way to the barbecue pellet cookers, and everything in between. Check them out at MyronMixonSmokers.com. And don't forget to tell them Mikey K sent you. And now, please welcome your host, Mikey K. We're hanging out with two super important humans because they represent a very, very important brand. Uh, it's something that I've been behind for years now, something that I very strongly believe in. Uh, I'm super excited to have them on the show. Guys, we are talking to Ed and Stan from Operation Barbecue. If you don't know what Operation Barbecue is, you've been living under a rock. Uh, they are the first responders for barbecuers. You know what I mean? And not two barbecuers, but they call, go out and they feed people hot meals after natural disasters. And I will let them tell, talk a little bit more about it because they'll be able to go more in depth about it. But I want to say thank you so much for coming to the show and hanging out with us. And uh, we're going to chat barbecue. We're going to chat Operation Barbecue, how people can help out, how people can send funds and do all that kind of fun stuff I'm sure we'll get into. So I just want to welcome you guys to the show. Hey, man, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> so I guess, I guess I'll, I'll ask this first question, and it'll be up to you who wants to take it. But um, can you give our listeners a little bit of a background? How did Operation Barbecue start, and how has it kind of transformed over the years? Yeah, I'll, I'll take that one. <laughs> um, so, you know, it started after the Joplin tornado in 2011. Um, you know, myself and some local Kansas City um, barbecue guys, you know, got together and said, hey, you know, why don't we, instead of going and setting up in a parking lot competing against each other, why don't we go down and see what we can do to help a community after this tornado, um, cook barbecue and see what we can do. And what we thought would be a few days ended up being 11. What we thought we'd be maybe four or 5,000 meals ended up being over 120,000 meals from a parking lot. And at that point, we we realized, well, I actually about day three realized there's just such a gap that exists, you know, when disasters happen. And, you know, we're uniquely qualified to go into an area with minimal needs and set up, uh, you know, a cooking area and just start cooking for people. And so that's what we just started doing. Just got just yeah. went out there and started cooking so, and feeding people. Which yeah. is the barbecue way. <laughs> well, absolutely. And, you know, 
and eight and a half years later, we've we've served over three million meals now. Yeah, it's it's mind blowing to be honest. It is mind blowing at how many meals you guys uh, get out and how many meals you guys are able to prep in a very quick amount of time. Yeah, well, it's 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 all about you know it started with the barbecue family as I call it, but you know our barbecue family's grown immensely way outside of that competition world and that you know that food world into just the people with big hearts that just want to give and want to help and uh you know no no barbecue uh um background needed to come and uh, be part of operation barbecue relief these days which is awesome because i'm sure i mean obviously at the beginning you need you guys needed more probably cooking help than anything oh for sure you know, it, getting getting that many meals out, especially when you guys were when you said you know it was going to be, it's not a huge amount. You didn't think it was going to be you know outrageous, and then it turned out to into into just how many meals you're getting out. It it's just mind blowing. Well, again, I think it it shows that you know barbecue is you know not just comfort food, but it, it it's also something that's scalable. You know, and the ability to cook large quantities of it yep absolutely now when you guys kind of first went out on your first couple um you know disasters what were some of the like things you learned right away where you're like okay cool we need to do this instead of that uh did you try other meats did you try you know that like, was it always kind of did you always have the same kind of menu or did you kind of play around with different stuff you know, I, I would say that we were, I wouldn't say that we were a one-trick pony, but about a three-trick pony. I mean, you know, pulled pork, pork loin, and, and chicken were, you know, um, the big the big staples. And and uh, pulled pork was good just because we could cook it overnight and everybody got a good rest. Um, you know, pork loin and chicken both cook much quicker. So we did those things. And but what we've found over the years is that we, we've we've morphed. We've we've added a lot to that. Um, we'll cook. We do a lot of red beans and rice, and a lot, add a lot of rice to dishes this, these days, just because of you know the ability to you know to help you feel fuller and that that added starch and everything. And and uh, um, plus, it's also very cost effective for yeah. us to to be able to add. That's, so that's what I figured, you know, uh, you know uh, the cost effective, there has to be a little bit of that, right? It, yeah. It's not like you guys have an, un, un, an unlimited tapped budget that you can just Correct. go and do whatever and, and, you want. And, and it's really uh, you know, about a lot of the sponsors that we have. I mean, we, we started doing a lot of turkey over the last few years because of, you know, working with Butterball and, uh, you know, which is added to the menu because, We'll take turkey and and throw it in a buffalo chopper and then throw it into red beans and rice, and now all of a sudden you you take a you know a a good meal and make it you know much heartier and 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 more protein and and more filling um, for those in need and and so we, we just continue to to do that. We've added a lot of a lot of different sauces over the last couple of years where it's just not a barbecue sauce. I mean, it might be brown gravy. It could be a you know um, a chicken type gravy. It could be teriyaki sauce. It could be, you know, so we try to, we try to make it, um, you know, to where we can use the same meats over and over, 
but change the flavor profile to where it doesn't seem like I'm getting pulled pork every day. Yeah. Especially, I mean, because you guys are there numerous, I mean, numerous days over and over. So I'm sure you probably see the same faces a couple times, right? Oh, oh sure. Yeah. And I think that really speaks volumes to what Stan and, and his team has really done. Um, I, I'm on pretty much the end user uh, part of the Operation Barbecue Relief. When I got involved, we had Hurricane Sandy kind of hit here in the Northeast. And, uh, you know, we really, OBR wasn't really set up here yet. We really, I mean, it was still infancy, infancy stage where we were trying to figure out what to do. And um, one of uh, Stan's kind of colleagues, Dana uh, Reed, reached out to me and said, listen, Ed, we, we know you have a bunch of rigs. Can you come down here to Jersey and help us out? And it, it was no questions asked. Uh, my team, everybody was on board. Uh, we, we loaded up all of our trucks and we head down. And before I even went out, I did a little like kind of Facebook post. And, and there was so many donations people were giving where, where nowadays we have menus and there's stuff that they can, the sponsors are going to contribute. But back then it was pretty much, you know, empty out the walk-in cooler and we're taking whatever we have to cook for people. And yep. uh, we, we went down to northern Jersey and it was a huge team set up kind of in the, uh, you know, Paramus kind of uh, Bergen County area. And it was one town, uh, Little Ferry Munaki, that had uh, really hit hard. And even the uh, Red Cross and Salvation Army couldn't get in there. And I literally just looked at Dana and said, we're going to go. And uh, my team went in there with our trucks and uh, did, didn't realize, you know, the, the police could do a reverse 911 call. And, and my team names the Handsome Devil. So they put a reverse 911 call to say, you know, come out to the to park. The devil's coming. And that, that probably wasn't the best thing to say to somebody after a <laughs> Um, <laughs> but uh, we fed everybody, man, and we just fed them nonstop. And, and, and to this day, I, I still get choked up a bit when I talk about it because you, you can win as many barbecue championships and awards and, and people shake your hands for trophies and stuff. Have that one person shake your hand and say thank you for the first hot meal in 10 days. Um, way better than any type of trophy you're ever going to win. And, and my entire team to this day is is thankful for that and, and uh, really appreciative. To, uh, it's important. And we're, we're a barbecue. And Sam was saying it's a family. When when the times are good and, and it's nice, we, we expect the community to come out to support our business. But when times are bad, it's important for us to be able to give back to our community and support them as well. Absolutely. Now, what would you guys say would it, like in the infancy stages – you probably have a lot of this stuff worked out, but what were some of the hardest things to do when you guys started seeing a natural disaster, you know, about to happen or something that that could be happening? You know, people are tracking it on the news. Um, now, if you do follow Operation Barbecue, you know they they will say we are tracking this storm. We're looking at this, but I mean, when you guys were first starting out, you weren't really tracking that many storms, correct? No, I mean, look, we 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 all became a bunch of uh, you know. Um, uh, couch weather weather experts you know <laughs> the, the the guys sitting there on the couch watching every weather channel have five different apps on your phone going off any any given point in time looking to try to get as, the best data you could about what was going on and and you know that that was the start of getting people in different states around the country to sort of you know be our be our eyes and ears and and try to try to get the barbecue community to feed us that information in the early days. Um, you know, and then when we get the information and, and finally decide something needs to be done, getting in sometimes was also, you know, cause who heard of operation barbecue relief at the time, you know, early on it was like, you know, the, the thought it was a couple of fat guys sitting on a corner with a grill, you know, flipping burgers or something wasn't, you know, us coming in with these large rigs that we, we now have today that, you know, we're setting up a tent city, uh, you know, the size of a couple of football fields uh, with all the semis and everything that we put into it. The logistics has just 
grown exponentially from those days. Um, you know, we would rather today have the people come and leave their rigs at home for the big ones because, you know, I mean, stick burner is a great cooker, but man, no one wants to be up all night feeding that thing. You know, let, let's, let's let an old hickory sit there and purr all night long, you know, use propane. Let's get a good night's sleep. One or two people can check that throughout the night to make sure something didn't fail. So, you know, you know, we, whatever the generator didn't go off, whatever it is to make sure we continually have the power, but you know, let's, let's let the rest of the team, you know, sleep, you know, because, you know, when you're out there, and some of these deployments that we've been in, and it's a hundred degrees with a hundred percent humidity outside, and um, you know you're you're just you can't drink enough to stay hydrated. I can, and, I can totally imagine that. Yes. You know, and and at, at the end of the day, you know, the, the two things that that you want is 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 a good shower and a cold bed. You know, and and. And that six six hours of sleep that you end up getting, because no matter how long you know how tired you are, you lay there for a little while, you toss and turn. But those people that are there for more than two or three days have to have you know a little bit more than that. They've got to you got to rejuvenate them so they don't go and and you know collapse on you. And and so it's been you know we've added probably. Since the early days, we've probably added as much for the volunteers on the back end as we have, you know, the people that are affected and those first responders that we're feeding. I mean, today we bring in a camp chef, you know, and I've, I've been accused, uh, you know, from time to time of, man, you're feeding these, you know, the volunteers better than we're feeding the people out in the field. Well, you got 150 people that just fed 25, 30,000 people today. Yeah. I'm going to feed them pretty good, you know? Um, and, and it's not us going out and buying all of this stuff. We have, we have businesses that are like, Hey, I can't give you enough, you know, prime rib to go feed, you know, all of this, but I can give you enough for a hundred people and I'll take that prime rib and, 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 you know, you know, we, we've used that for a celebration. I mean, let's when we hit 2 million meals during hurricane, um, Florence last year, and I, came to say we cooked up some prime rib we we put on and and invited other organizations that we work with that were taking food out and everything to say hey look that's a milestone for us we should celebrate it do we want to hit three million no i didn't want to hit a million because that means our, we're needed after disasters it's we're just there doing what's needed at the time and and yeah you know we talk about the one meal that matters but we talk about it 3 million times being served, you know, it's, it's, it's a difference in how you say it. You know, if I'm talking to a bunch of corporate people that want to know where their dollars are going, I'm, I'm telling them, yeah, we've served over 3 million meals and you've been part of that. You know, when I'm talking to our volunteers, we're talking about the one meal that matters. It's, we're talking about like what Ed said, that, that lady that comes up to you, that's got tears in her eyes with a, with a, you know, clamshell in her hand going, you know, this is the first hot meal I've had in days. Thank you. And, and starts hugging you. You yeah. know, that's why you do what you do. Absolutely. And that I think that's the important part of it. And I think sometimes people forget that when you're pitching this to a corporation and trying to get funding, you have to pitch it 
you almost have to sales pitch it, right? You have to be like, here's what what's happening, oh, yeah. and blah 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 blah. But then when you're on the other end of it, and you're you're in the you're in the trenches, and those people are coming to you and being like, oh my god, this is amazing. This is the first hot meal I've had. Uh, this is just you know, it it warms my heart. It warms my body. It, it it's amazing. There, you can't you can't sell that. You know what I mean? Like that just that's not sellable. No. You know, the the great thing is, is so many companies, you know, out there today push for their employees to be involved and 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 giving back and, and taking, you know, basically paid time off from work to go volunteer with something. And so we've had many of our our, our sponsors have their, you know, have their employees come out and volunteer with us and, uh, you know. Many of them sign up and register as a regular volunteer after they've done that. You know, we call it, you know, what's your why? You know, Ed just said what his why was from, from Hurricane Sandy of going into that into that area that no one could get into and feeding those people and having them say, man, this is my first hot meal in 10 days. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of us can't even fathom the fact that you couldn't find a hot meal, you know, in a 10 day time period let alone, you know, have that be right outside of New York City. Yeah. Have that be in, in, in such a large metropolitan area that, you know, I mean, it, it was surreal when you pulled into Houston, Texas, and the Whataburger and the Taco Bell were even closed, you know, because <laughs> of the flooding. And, and everybody's driving around trying to figure out what are we going to do. Yeah. And, I mean, grocery stores are empty. It's just there, there. There's nothing. There's nothing to do. Yeah. Now, when you guys, like you said, when you guys first started, no one really knew who what Operation Barbecue was. So, did you guys get a lot of pushback at first, kind of from from the police and from from the authorities of being like, "Listen, we're here to feed people." Do they kind of try shutting you down a little bit? So you know, we were always really good about. You know, the first people that we went in and tried to feed were the first responders, especially the the highway patrol and police and everything. So we could, you know, get through. So we could get through those roadblocks. Um, you know, we we worked with several, you know, um, organizations out there, some faith based partners and and such that that you know had names that had you know the ability to get through those those uh, um, roadblocks, if you will. And over time, as we continue to do that, obviously the, the, the brand name has gotten out there. The heart has gotten out there, yep. you know, and, and it's just been, you know, out of perseverance more than anything else um, that we continue to push it out there. And today, you know, you go to, you know, two years ago and Hurricane Harvey happened, you know, the mayor of Houston's the one that reached out to us and asked us to come to the community, you know. He paved he he paved the way for us to I mean literally um, get into the city and set up when there was roads were closed all over. I mean, I, I'm going through two foot of water on on I-10 as the only way to get in, in there in you know a couple of different spots. Pulling a trailer with about you know six or seven other trailers right behind me, and I'm going you know this is the best way in. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, when you do that and 
and you're able to show those things and and then you start talking about that and you want to go to another community after that uh, it, it helps pave the way for sure absolutely i mean yeah absolutely you, you when you when you start showing that you're giving back it, it i mean people are are usually very very excited about it especially when you're when you're feeding people right um so my question is, when you guys are looking at a natural disaster, when how do you guys decide when to deploy? So, so in in the early days, it, it was, you know, sort of by committee. Um, do we go? Do we not go? Do we have the funds to go? Um, you know, do we have people in that area to help support it? Um, now, it's morphed into, you know, first, is there a need? Because not every disaster, there's a need, you know. Um, there's times that you, you see this big tornado on TV and you see all the damage and everything. But at the end of the day, yep, it did damage to people's homes. But the entire, you know, the rest of the entire city, the churches, the, the, the restaurants, the, the stores are all open for business. Well, it's not really good when the community's opening up their their doors and say, hey, we want to take care of you, to have some group from outside the community come in and say, hey, let me do it. Yep. You know, because the true healing starts when that community takes over there, you know, for themselves. And so when we find those things, when we find out, you know, last thing we want to do is take money away from restaurants and, and you know, the people in the community that that would be getting it normally but because we've seen it i mean and and it happens you know you have people that come out that don't need a meal but come out to get a free meal because they heard about it yeah and uh you know you, you, you earlier you said hey so what are those some of those things that you learned i, I learned that i'll feed 10 of them to find the one guy that needed that meal that day you know um, the other lesson that I've learned is, is that when they start asking the questions of like, are you serving that pulled pork again tonight? They're <laughs> not really that hungry anymore. <laughs> and for us, that's also the time that we have to look at starting to transition and move on. Because when somebody becomes, starts becoming choosy, they're not as hungry as they were. They don't, you know, they, they, they don't have that, you know, they're, they're being choosy. Yeah. And, and so... That's one of the first things that we learned in Joplin, Missouri, was when they were like, hey, we had this pre-cooked chicken, fajita chicken meat. It was amazing, you know, because you could put different sauces on it. it. It was already, you know, you just had to heat and serve a couple hours, and you're down the road with it. And we had people, are, are, we, are you having that chicken again today? And we knew at that point we had to start transitioning. Um, you know, in... in, in uh, more Oklahoma, we started seeing um, the businesses open up. And, you know, we know how much, you know, after tornadoes like that, how much money is being pumped into those that community from insurance companies for them to go out to be able to buy what they need, to replace what they need immediately, to be able to live. And we need to push that money back into the economy. We have to be good stewards also for the economy to say, hey, we're going to go now. And we're going to turn this back over to you because, you know, it, it's the time for it. So 
those are things that we've learned over time. Today, we have a whole team that, uh, you know, that's that's their job, really. When it when a disaster happens is to basically tell me and and, the you know, the the more of the the head team here to say, hey, yeah, we, we've got enough information. We believe we need to go and here's where we need to go. And this is what we've got set up, you know, and and it's not really an even approval process. It's just saying, hey, we we've met the criteria you've laid out for us and we think it's time to go. Um, but we did more this year. I mean, we did, you know, more small disasters this year than we've done in many, many years. Um, because one, we never really had the money to do these small disasters because they never will bring in enough donation dollars to cover the cost for it because they aren't, they're not seen out there. You don't, you don't hear anything from them. You know, um, but there's probably every bit of a need in that community as there is in a major, you know, large community like Houston when a disaster happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that's uh, it it sucks because it's like kind of a double edged sword. It's like, well, we can't go because we can't get the funding to go, but we need to go. But we don't have the money and and they don't want to give the money because. Unfortunately, they're not going to get enough press out of it. At the end of the day, and, right? You know, and 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 for us, you know, for us, uh, uh, we look at it, and you know, we've 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 built up these sponsors, and we've brought in these corporate dollars to be able to respond when needed. We can't respond to everything, you know, um, but we try to do more and more with what we have out there. I mean. It, we actually did more in the first half of the year than we had done in any prior year except for one as far as the meals that we had done. Um, and uh, But the second half of the year, you know, knock on wood, we're not o- the year's not over, but, you know, we've had one of those off years finally. You know, we didn't have you – know, Dorian was, you know, Dorian could have been one of the worst things if, if what happened to the Bahamas, if that would have hit Florida and done that, you know, we'd still be in Florida right now. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 the devastation on, on the Bahamas. Um, so that, that's, that's just a prime example of we, we, we got lucky, if nothing else. The, you know, no, no other better way to say it than, than to, that is that that just didn't hit us. Now, since, since you guys are kind of – that's kind of a fresh one. You're coming off of it. Can you tell the listeners a little bit about what it was like going down to the Bahamas, being able to serve them food, and, and kind of that whole experience? Because if I'm not wrong, is this one of the first ones that you guys have been off U.S. soil? Off the continent, it is, off it the, is the first one right? that we've done yeah. off. Yeah. yeah. It, it is the first international deployment. Um, you know, we, we uh, partnered with a, a, a faith-based group and some uh, others out there. Um, that ended up turning into finding a plane uh, and flying a world, you know, a, a World War II era um, DC-3 um, every day, at least two, you know, generally two flights a day from Fort Lauderdale Executive Airport to Freeport, um, Grand Bahama. And, you know, the morning trip a lot of times was a supply trip. And then the afternoon trip was the food. Um, you know, we had a small contingent of, you know, between two to four people, 
um, from our team on the ground working with the locals, uh, most of it through churches. That first couple of weeks, you know, the government tried, but they were so they were so scattered they couldn't do it. The only real logistic piece that we could find was the way the churches were com- communicating and helping each other. So that became the natural way: is let's go to the let's go to the biggest church, basically of Freeport, and have all the little satellite smaller churches come there to get their food, and then also serve all those people in that that go to that church and that uh, in that surrounding community. I mean that that's just amazing. It really is. It, it's amazing yeah. God, how you guys were able to do that. Um, I thought it was really cool that you guys were able to do an international deployment. Um, I just, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's a very, very cool thing. So, I mean, I want, you know, we're all, we're all, anyone that's in the barbecue community, I think knows, knows about Operation Barbecue. It's one of the, I think it's one of the best, um, uh, not, I guess, yeah, it's a charity. It's a, you know, first responders. I just think what you guys are doing is really phenomenal and amazing. Uh, my next kind of interesting question is, and it, it it has to do with kind of logistics. When you guys were you would when you guys were kind of first getting started, did you get any pushback? Like, did you have to figure out stuff with health departments and stuff like that in local areas? Did you get any weird oh, yeah. pushback on that? Where they were like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute, what are you guys doing?" How, you know. I, you know, I think you know the the big thing is we've always we've set ourselves up to to always anticipate that they they're going to be there, you know. They were there uh, like day two in in Joplin, Missouri, and uh, and later to find out it was the head of the health department. You know the whole you know um, health services area for the the county was the guy that did our inspection. But he came through, walked through. We walked him through what we had. We you know we were smart enough to go get one of our one of the guys that had a uh, um, a concession trailer. Yep. That had a full three bay sink in it and and hand washing stations. We, you know, we brought out, you know, old school, you know, got coolers and stuff to be able to sit there and wash hands with buckets and and stuff catching water. Um, but we've never been shut down. You know, we we've been told to stop until we get some. You know, till we get a a hand washing sink moved or, um, and that hasn't even happened in the last. You know, that was probably five years ago that they're, you know, had anybody say, hey, you know, we're going to we're not sure about you guys. Um, uh, most of the time now, it it's they come in to make sure because we're setting up you know, we set up a 30 by 100 foot tent and in, in, in uh, Fort Lauderdale there. And that was the cooking area. We had I think we had four or five hand washing stations around that whole area, a three bay sink, you know, right there in that, in that main food production area. Um, it, it's hard for them to, to, to question anything. And, and the fact is, is w- we push a lot of our guys to get serve safe certified yep. for their food handlers. And then we, you know, cause we'll even pay for it. I mean, you know, we hope that they'll pay for it, but if they won't, we'll pay for it for them because it's important enough for those volunteers to get it. But, you know, a lot of our guys are now getting a, um, their manager certification and going through that actual class to, to do that. So you know, our goal is to always have a certified manager, a safe, serv- 
safe serve certified manager um, on site. Yeah. So when that happens, and, and you know, the, the great thing is, I mean, Ed's been through it. I've been through it, but we have other, you know, um, guys in, you know, working in the kitchen and everything that own restaurants that have catering companies. So they've been through it. So there, there's not, there's not too many of us that can't walk a guy around there and, and hold their hand and show them everything that they want to see yeah. uh, to make sure that we're doing everything right. Cause the last thing we want to do, I mean, we've gotten to the point now that we log, we log food as it comes off. We know what came off of what smoker when it's going out because we're, we're logging. Okay. Pan, you know, pan two Oh five came off of, you know, pit seven. Yeah. That way you, you know, you know, you know, these pit, this cooking temp was here. Food is at safe temperature. You keep your whole, you're safe yep. holding, you're doing all that kind of stuff. Uh, oh. For anyone that's listening, that's not um, in the food in- industry, you know, um, the health department can crack down on you for a lot of different things. And uh, I would hate to see them be like, Oh no, we're going to shut you guys down, which I, I hope they would never do that. Cause you, you know, you guys are doing something incredible. Well, it's important too. You're dealing with a lot of people here who uh, don't have power, might not have running water. So, the last thing you want to do then is give them a, a foodborne illness. So, it's uh, of course. You no, know, we even take more, and I know my team takes even more kind of uh, care and making sure everything is is you know, as we like to say, top dollar and on point before it goes out. Yeah, that and and that that's important too because it's you know they don't they don't have any other resources right now, right? So no. it's <laughs> like you're kind of going down to the bare minimum. So make sure that you're you you definitely are getting the best quality that you possibly can. Now, yeah. did you guys, Absolutely. when you guys were first kind of getting rolling and natural disasters started getting bigger, you know, your, your, the disaster relief that you guys were starting to do got bigger and bigger. Did you guys have ever, 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 uh, did you guys ever have any problem sort sourcing enough food? So, you know, it, it does happen. Um, you know, we have, we have several uh, uh, of the sponsors are the ma- our major um, protein manufacturers like Prairie Fresh Pork. Uh, you know, provides the majority of all the pork that we we put out there. Um, Butterball does a lot. We have two to three different chicken companies that, that do a lot of you know donations. Um, but you know, when a disaster happens on like a Wednesday Thursday. <laughs> That's where, you know, because a lot of our stuff to pre-stage, because it could take, you know, if I needed a truckload of prairie fresh pork today, you know, if I ordered it today, the the earliest I could probably get it is four business days to order that much pork to come off of a, you know, from a, a, a processing plant, get it onto a truck and start moving it. Um it's probably not getting on that truck for three days at the best. And then that truck's got, you know, probably two days of driving. So we've started warehousing a lot of, a lot of the products. So we have freezer warehouse space up in the Northeast. We have it down in, in the Southeast and, and, you know, we currently have some in Kansas city. Kansas city is just atrocious to find some. There, there is no, you know, storage space that isn't outrageously priced. And in the Dallas Metroplex, they just opened up, you know, one of the largest facilities, I think, in the country. And so we're and our logistics, you know, comes out of 
comes out of Dallas, the majority. So we can get that on a truck pretty quickly. But, man, you can't get it on a truck after 5 o'clock on a Friday until Monday morning. That You know, that, that was going to be my question. You know what I mean? It's like how quick can that happen? And like you said, it, it, it's not always – it's not like you're looking to source 15 pork shoulders. You know what I mean? Yeah, like no. you're, not, you're not going down to your local Costco and picking up or your local, you know, warehouse store and being able to just to clear their clear their shelf. It's like it, you need a lot. Oh yeah. Well, and we've done that before. We we we've we've cleared out Restaurant Depot, we've cleared out Sam's Club, we've you know, and, and just to be able to, you know, and those are on the smaller disasters. Um but you know, to the point of well, us watching these storms, there's times that we've pulled out product out of freezer storage. We did it earlier this year when, um, gosh, what was the name of the, uh, the uh, um, was it Barry that was coming up into Louisiana and it was like a, you know, category two or something. And the minute it hit the coast, it just sort of fizzled out. And, mm-hmm. you know, we that was happening on like a, a Friday, you know, that it was coming in, you know, to make landfall Friday, Friday afternoon. So, you know, on Wednesday that week, we started pulling stuff out of, you know, freezer storage and putting it into, you know, uh, we took one whole, whole trailer load, kept it in Dallas about 30 miles away from the freezer storage place and then turned around and took it back, you know, the next, on the, on the Monday after it fizzled out. But, you know, that's the best case scenario. I mean, in, in a true, you know, best case scenario for us, in, in the future, we'll, we'll have a warehouse of our own that'll have freezer storage on it. It may not have a full, you know, 22 pallets uh, of product that, that it can hold. But if we could have something that was, could hold 10 to 12 pallets of, of product frozen, um, that we could pull from and get it onto a refrigerated at least box truck to get it to get it rolling, you know, then we can at least work through that, you know, on a weekend in that situation because there is no freezer warehouse space that we found that that has a twenty four seven type access. Totally understandable. Um, now, how how much goes onto a pallet? For let us know since a lot of people don't. Don't exactly purchase that way. Oh, so let's see. I would I would say that in a full reefer, you know, fifty three foot reefer, you're probably close to seventy five thousand. You know, around seventy five to eighty thousand portions, depending on what cut of meat you have on there. If it's if it pork butt's going to yield more than pork loins going to um as far as being able to feed people um off those paths um but you know that's just a good rule of thumb i mean when we rolled into to wilmington um north carolina last year we rolled in with a hundred thousand servings of protein and sides um we're the only organization that brought our own at that time everybody else was waiting for their supply chain to come in and uh you know by the time their supply chain came in we were three days you know four days into uh, serving hot meals which is super important i mean it is 
and and that's you know that's why you know it, having having the right team behind you know behind you looking to make sure that you've got that food available um, because the logistics has gotten such that you know myself or just, there's not one person that can handle all of it you've got to take that t- team approach that everybody's doing their piece to make it all fall together now since you guys do hold it frozen that's not thawing that quickly <laughs> are you guys throwing shoulders on frozen or do, does does it actually thaw no we'll, we'll we'll cook them frozen the 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 difference is like we use old hickory's you know uh, primarily the eledx so okay. that could hold about 80 butts but that's fresh so you're you're cut down to about six i think it's 64 butts when they're frozen because you've got to get there's got to be complete space around them you've got to have you know several inches around each one so they're not touching and it may add an extra hour or two to the cook time uh, cooking um it really does you know you just really need more cookers to do the same amount um because you just get as many on, on a pit um, as you did you know, when they're fresh. Oh yeah, totally understandable. And I mean, in in the I'm sure as the, as the days go on, though they, they start to thaw a little bit more, so your your lives become a little bit easier. But you know, those first couple days, you know, you gotta go and you gotta start feeding people. So there there's not time to be like, listen, I'm gonna thaw thaw you know 80 pork butts. Give me give me a day or two. Before I can feed you, it's like no, I got to feed yeah. you now. Now, I mean, it, the, the truth is, you know, a weekend of you know something that's frozen at minus twenty degrees like that, um, a weekend because they're stacked on pallets in boxes. You know, you have the insulating factor of of a cardboard box and the mass of you know a big cube of it. A lot of times a weekend with that reefer truck being set at like 36 degrees, it's still, they're still rock hard. Yeah. It's insane how, how well they hold, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, do you guys season in any way, shape, or form before they go on? And if so, what kind of seasonings do you use? So, so yeah, we do season them. Um, we don't use a lot of seasoning just in general. Uh, I mean, even when they're fresh, but you know, generally it's whatever we get donated. We, we have a lot of different companies that, that support us in both rubs and sauces, um, that, that they'll donate. So, um, we do a lot of, you know, um, whatever the flavor is that, that we have there, um, you know, we have some companies that will donate pork, you know, just a good old-fashioned pork-type pork rub. And then we have, you know, more of a salt, pepper, garlic that's great on loins. It's great on turkey. Um, with that, we are coming out with a line of rubs that will be out in December. Um, you know, we've got to think we're moving forward on a deal with uh, Lowe's Home Improvement Stores. We'll be carrying a line of six of our rubs at every one of their stores. Um, and I believe the second week of December, they're supposed to be um, in the Lowe's home improvement stores just in time, as I say, just in time for everybody to go out and buy them for uh, stocking stuffers for Christmas. Yep, yep. Um, yep. 
and and those rubs are are regionally inspired by and tell stories about disasters in different areas i mean you know there is you know the there is a, a southern uh um florida type rub that's a moho rub that's amazing um on fish and and uh, um even chicken but you know our our staple rub that we start out with uh which we call joplin basically is is a sweet and smoky um and it tells a story of our beginning in joplin because that's pretty much what we were sitting there cooking you know pork and pork and chicken and it's great on both um so uh, there'll be six different ones tells a little bit of the story we will start using you know using some of that um but you know that is that's a that's a you know a, a money revenue generating um piece um and uh, we're not going to get all that donated to us and we're not going to go out and buy you know our own rub to put on there um during disaster now you know we go to an event or something like that yeah you i'm sure we're going to be using our rub um there because uh, we want to showcase that to the people that might be attending that might want to buy it yep and i mean like you said it's, it's a gen it's a money generator which is very important uh, because unfortunately without money you guys can't go out and do what you're doing it costs money to move product it costs money to move humans it, you know you got to put gas inside those trucks and it, it's important it just takes money and it um for anyone who doesn't understand that, I, I don't know if you're living under a rock or where, or how free you live, but, you know, support them and, and buy the rubs. Well, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, um, it's a good thing that we haven't had disasters this year, especially like we have over the last three years. You know, 2016, we did, you know, just over 550,000 meals, uh, 2017, 560,000 meals just shy of 1.2 million last year and right now we're at 135,000 that's that that's a good year right that, that means not but on the bad side is we didn't we don't bring in the donations a lot of our donors do not donate just to donate they donate because of the work that we're doing and when we're not doing the work that money doesn't come in we don't and, and on top of the the normal donors you know, or those ones that have been doing it the last few years, you don't also get the ones that are, oh my God, I just saw that story. I'm going to go give 25 bucks. Yeah. But I still have the same fixed costs, you know, outside of disaster that I had last year, you know, the year before, you know, we still, we still have to pay insurance. Uh, they, they get a little, they get a little snippy when we don't, um, <laughs> you know, the, you know, uh, you, you, you have rent, you have, you have payroll. I mean, yes, you know, the big thing is we do have staff and, and we can't run an organization that of this size without paying people anymore. I mean, we went, we went up until a year and a, uh, not quite a year and a half ago without having a full-time employee. Yeah. Which is kind of incredible for how much you oh, guys have done and didn't have a full-time employee. Because it, it like like you said earlier, I mean, there's so many bridges that you have to cross, and so many things that you have to take. That it, it takes a team of people. It, it's not just one human sitting, you know, by a laptop and figuring all this shit out. 
<laughs> no, you know, and, and you know, this year we started, you know, our non-disaster side of the house just for that. You know, we, we started that non-disaster side of the house. So when we have these blue sky days, because we knew one of these years there was going to be a year like this, just happens to be the year that we started that. So we have, you know, we have increased costs because we're bringing on new programs. But, you know, we're going to, we focus on military, we focus on our responders and, and what we call the fight on hunger outside of disaster. So we started this year with the first program is called Barbecue Basic. So we go out to, you know, it could be a, you know, military base, Coast Guard base, um, you know, veteran location, put on a two-day class uh, teaching them how to grill and barbecue with it ending in a little competition between the teams, uh, uh, at you know, on day two. And then we, we try to get them to invite their friends and family, you know, the rest of their unit, whatever, out, and we cook for them. And I, so we make them the volunteers to show them what it's like to do, because most people, you know, Ed, myself, we take for granted when we talk about serving, you know, hey, yeah, we're going to do, you know, food for 500. People, you know, people are like wide-eyed. You know, I had somebody ask me the other day, they're like, hey, is 150 going to be, is that all right? I mean, you know, will you be able to do that? And I'm like, the only reason I'll bring somebody is to help set up tables. I mean, <laughs> 150 is nothing anymore. Um, you know, frankly, 500 really isn't either. Uh, with the equipment that we have and and everything, so for us to sit there and say, yeah, we can cook for you know a thousand people, you know, when we tell a bunch of you know going through a class that they're going to help prep for a thousand, they're like, oh wow. But you know, it gives them the experience not only of learning about grilling and barbecue, you know, it gets them gets their hands dirty and helps them with that. And gives them an understanding of what it's like to go out and, and feed people. Um, so that you know, between the veterans and the first responders, that's the you know the, the big one. And and uh, starting, I think November first, we'll start sort of uh, um, a a two months long of doing events in different communities across the country to help those you know give back a little bit to our first responders as a thank you in those communities, but really to go out and feed those that wouldn't receive a hot meal, you know, that day, if we wouldn't have given it to them, you know, we can't all be at the same place on Thanksgiving or do, you know, you know, have a hundred people doing, you know, 500 people across, you know, on Thanksgiving day, but we can do it throughout that time through Christmas to make sure that we continue to give people around the holidays a good hot meal. Um, and, and so that's what we're going to do there. And uh, hopefully in next year, we'll be launching Barbecue Basic Junior, which will be uh, more of a four to five hour class that will be focused on nutrition and the basics of grilling um, for kids to get them interested in grilling, but also um, interested in cooking their own food. And, you know, um, everybody loves, a you know, uh, a good hot dog or a good hamburger and everything, but you know, many many of the kids that we're going to focus on in in the inner city areas in the city in the areas that have a high population of um, free and reduced meals for kids, um, we want to get into those communities and really show them that 
they can go out and cook this for their family and do it cheaper than what it would cost to go to some fast food place for four people. Yeah. So that that'll be coming out next year. And those are those are the programs as we slow we're gonna slowly start, you know, ramping those up over the next, you know, over the next twenty-four to thirty-six months to where those will be things that frankly they'll be going on, you know, even during disaster time in the future, where we've got to be able to continue those programs and not stop just because a disaster happens. So that just means expanding the team even more. That means bringing in more people to do the right thing. You know, get get people like Ed out. We we get pitmasters in different communities out there to help teach with it. Um, so the, these guys, as they're coming in and they're learning um, to do this, they have a mentor um, pitmaster with them, which you know, the mentor can't help them cook, you know, during the competition, but can sit there and help guide them a little bit and and uh you know it, it becomes a you know a good old-fashioned uh, um pride trophy at the, at the time that the people get and uh, it, it's just a lot of fun that we've seen that we've done it i think we've done three so far and we're going to end next week with our last one for the year at fort bragg where we'll do our biggest event of the year i think we'll do 16 teams there we nice. normally do eight teams of four to five on a team um, there we'll do 16 teams and, um, and it's, you know, um, there, there, it's just, we were supposed to kick this off last year at this time, um, of the year, uh, at Fort Bragg, but we were in the middle of, uh, Hurricane Michael. So we had to cancel the, the class side of things, but r- realistically, you think about it, 1.2 million meals in 2018, we served, but we did that in 75 days. So, you know, the, I, I, most people sit there and wow and don't think about it. Me, I'm sitting there going, well, what are we going to do the other 290 days, at mm-hmm. least in, in the eyes to everybody else? So we, we know we'll, 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 spend, we'll spend the next two months cleaning and fixing equipment that we broke. Um, but, you know, people don't see that. No, Surely no sponsor wants to hear, hear that that's what you're doing for the next two months. Because they they've put money into their you know to you so their brand is seen as as being out there as responsible as being giving back. Yeah. So uh, again, you'll start seeing a lot more. Uh, we call it the Always Serving Project. Um, it's out there on social media, um, and uh, you, you'll start hearing I think much more about this pro- program because I think it's the program that's. Um, we're going to start getting the publicity about because it'll be, you know, happening while disasters are happening too. Which is awesome because then it just brings awareness to everything. Um, one of the last things I want to talk about is Operation Barbecue did put out an amazing cookbook. If you guys haven't looked at it or haven't picked it up, make sure you go out and find an Operation Barbecue cookbook. It is filled with amazing uh, recipes, but it supports the really good cause. So if either one of you guys could talk a little bit about what went into the cookbook, why you guys decided to do one and all that kind of fun stuff. Cause most people say, you know, you gotta be a little crazy to write a book. But, and, and to get it straight here, there's two cookbooks here. There's the operation <laughs> barbecue relief cookbook, 
which, you know, we have pitmasters from all around the country that we're part of. And then Ed's cookbook, which is all about, you know, the amazing barbecue and, and the culture of barbecue restaurants out there. So it's, it's really, there's two different cookbooks. That is true. Yes. I'm sorry. There, there is two. No, no, I, I, but yeah, it, it, it was the most crazy. I, we thought it was a great idea. Hey, let's go out and get, bar, you know, competition barbecue teams to give us their backyard recipes. And when you go ask them for a recipe, they quit reading the rest of the paragraph of what they <laughs> like to cook for their friends and family. They think you're trying, you're trying to steal their, their brisket recipe or, or something like that. And, and so we had to be, you know, you know, first we had to get past that hurdle. And then the next hurdle was no one ever writes any of the crap down. You know, you, you go talk to a barbecue guy who's been doing this for a long time. He knows exactly what the recipe is in his head. But putting that on paper is a lot harder than than just going out there and doing it. Um, so it took us, I don't know, it took us three years to put this, the book together. Um and so, you know, uh, by the time it, the book got got put together, got published and everything, it's almost like we're ready to go to, you know, for round two. And, you know, and then what what Ed's done in, in his book, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk about it from my point of view of just looking at it. It's got, you know, one, he got to go on a trip of a lifetime, essentially, <laughs> because he got to go hang out with a lot of our friends but doing it at their place. I mean, I get to hang out with a lot of these guys, but it's generally at some festival where they're all together. It's not getting to go to their place and and spend time with them at their place. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. I, I have the uh, we have a, a little barbecue coming up here in the Hudson Valley in New York, and we travel everywhere from Vermont to South Beach. Um, and I've always, you know, you pull into town and you'll hear someone say, hey, have you, have you tried Stan's barbecue? It's great. Have, have you tried Mikey's barbecue? So I see all these places that uh, you know, we, we try a bunch of barbecue and there's a lot of good barbecue out there. And, and unfortunately, there's a lot of not too good a barbecue out there. <laughs> uh, so when I had a chance to, I always I would love to put together a book that's a part travel book, part cookbook. So people knew where, you know, the, the pitmasters were that they wanted to go visit. And we, we all have a story to tell. I mean, Stan has a story. Um, you know, you got Elliot Mawson in Buxton Hall. He's got a story to tell. Kerry Bringle's got probably 35 stories to tell you. Um, we, <laughs> we, we all have a story to tell. So uh, I presented it to the publisher, and they were really kind of skeptical in the beginning because they said there's no way, you know, Billy Durney from Hometown Barbecue is going to give you a recipe. There, there's no way that, um, you know, uh, Amy Mills and Mike Mills are going to give you from 17th Street are going to give you a recipe. And I was like, you don't understand the power of the barbecue family. And uh, I understand my, my name is not Oprah, so I'm not going to be selling millions of books and retiring, you know, on a book deal. So I said, let's do something good with this book. And, and let's, you know, let's get the proceeds together and what we sell of it. Let's let's do something good with it and give it to Operation Barbecue Relief. Because, you know, in the Northeast, we really don't have that many disasters. But when we do, we, we put together our times and uh, our efforts to go forward with it. Uh, but it's important that all of our pitmasters around the U.S. kind of can contribute. And, and if I can help out a little bit with a few dollars, then let's do it. Uh, so everybody was on board immediately. I mean, the shed was on board. Uh, it said 17th Street. Our friends at U-Bonds. Uh, literally 45 pitmasters I was able to tour from the U.S. And uh, we traveled from Boston all the way up to California. I see Burt Bachman out there in uh, Trudy's Underground and Slab Barbecue. Uh, everybody's a character. I mean, everybody has a story to tell. And you have somebody who's been in barbecue for years, just like Sam Jones, who's generations and generations of barbecue. 
to somebody like Burt Bachman, who's a real estate agent from, you know, uh, with his Israeli descent, who decided to went to uh, Texas and love barbecue. And then he got hooked on it. Um, so it, it tells a story. And, and I think that's what kind of, you know, the difference between barbecue and most other cuisines is you don't see the sushi guys all getting together and, and hanging out. You, you'll no, see you the, don't. You'll see the barbecue guys doing that. So um, when you come visit somebody's joint, go in there and, and ask the pitmaster and just, you know, ask him a story because we, we all want to tell kind of what we're doing and we want to see each other succeed. Um, so it is important that we can kind of give back also to our community, as I said earlier. So um, right now we, we have kind of competing cookbooks on the shelves, but for me, it's a world of barbecue. It's not a competition. You know, go on Amazon or Barnes & Bradley and buy them both. You know, do do the do a good favor for everybody. Yeah. Let's put some more money and it'll be our uh, resources. Now, Ed, I want to ask you this question. How did you decide who to put on the cover? Ah, uh, the cover. That was... Because uh, that, that is one of my favorite shots ever. I, I have uh, Ken Goodman, who's our photographer, who is world's <laughs> probably best barbecue photographer oh, yeah. out there. He's phenomenal. So uh, we were so enthralled with everybody's place where we went. We took the photo that we didn't really get a photo that, was, that had all barbecue on the, uh, and, and one shot. So we had uh, the Salt Lick, we had their pit, and then we went and saw Kent Black, and he opened up his, his pit that day, and it was just loaded. So uh, it worked out great that when that picture came out, we, we both kind of thought that, you know what, this this is going to be it. And, you know, for me, it's kind of nice, too, because it kind of pays respect to, you know, somebody who's been doing this a lot longer than I've been. And, and kind of, you know, it's, it's the heritage of and the, and the uh, tradition of barbecue. Yeah, I mean, I love that photograph. That is probably one of my favorite photographs. Uh, Kent is an amazing human. If you haven't got to meet him, uh, go find him. Just, just yeah. go. Uh, the only problem is some people think that's me on the cover. When they find me, they're like, "You don't look like him." I'm like, "No." <laughs> You're like, I don't look anything like Kent Black. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. But that, I mean, that that it's still a fantastic thing. And both cook, both books are are phenomenal. I love both of them. Um, I'm behind both of them. I actually own. Uh, three copies of the OBR uh, cookbook, uh, mainly because I bought one when it first came out, and then a publicist sent me one because of obviously this podcast. And then somehow I acquired another one somewhere that I, I we were somewhere, and they were like, "Do you want to buy one?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just gonna." I'm like, "I already own two of them, but I'm gonna I'll give it to somebody." <laughs> so so I acquired three of them <laughs> at some point, and uh, you know people have asked me like they you know they were they're in my house on my uh, bookshelf and I, I have one girl that came that was hanging out at our house that's friends with my wife and she's like why do you have two of the same cookbooks i'm like you know <laughs> sometimes you just got to support a good cause and buy two <laughs> it's that good that's why <laughs> yeah and she was like yeah. oh okay and, and the cool thing was i was able to actually with her asking that question i was kind of able to explain to her and then her boyfriend and a couple other people what OBR was, you know, what what they what they are and what what you guys do. And it, it was just awesome. I mean, I think a lot of people need to understand, too, is what Stan has and his team has kind of built as a brand here is, is um, we talk a lot about the disaster relief and he started to get into the, some of the other stuff that OBR is doing uh, outside of it. Um, as somebody who is in the barbecue world, it, it is really kind of um, – relieving and, and, and understanding that when we do a lot of these events um, we travel a lot and we ask to, we're asked to do charitable kind of events for either pitmasters that have, have lost their lives and families that need it and there's not been one time that I've gone somewhere that there has not been an OBR 
tent kind of paying paying it back to us as well and, and showing their support um we were in pig beach for uh, doing an event for jeff uh, who's the pit master of pig beach who passed away last year uh, we're down in uh, south beach wine and food festival raising some money for no kid hungry and i looked right over there and, and stan's parking his trailer right across from mine um you know and we have one coming up i think next month for uh, our fallen chef uh, carl ruiz and uh, I looked at the list today, and I think I saw the OBR name on it. Uh, so we're going to be there working together again. So yep. um, thank you to Stan and his team for always, you know, supporting us as well. Yeah, I think I think Stan, a we want to say thank you. You guys are, are are phenomenal. What you guys are doing for the barbecue community is just um, it's outstanding. It's outstanding what you're doing for the community in general. But as a barbecuer and as a pit master. Um, my my hats off to you, man. You do you guys do some amazing amazing things, and uh, I am a supporter of, of I'm a hundred and ten percent supporter of it. You know what I mean? Uh, we try to try to give you guys money as, as much as we possibly can, and because um, I know you know some people are like, well, it's not just the money donation. Well, the money donation helps turn the boat. So if, if you guys are listening out there and you guys want to help a really good cause this year or at any point, you know. Go to Operation Barbecue Relief. Donate. Even though there's not a natural disaster happening, they are there working and they're there prepping to make sure that the next that they're there for the next disaster. Because without yeah. that wheel turning, man, it, it, it's hard to be there for the next one, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, and and you know, and and white. You know, when you you know, if you if you want something, you know, sometimes people want something for it. You know. You can buy the book off of our website, and and when you buy the book off of our website, we make more money than if you buy it off of Amazon. But we also charge more than Amazon because I can't compete with that powerhouse, right? But when you you know, but when you're there, you got to check out the new shirt. We have a we have a new shirt on there called Bar. It's called uh, Barbecue Helps, is what it says across the front, and and it's just really to you know, it, it's just a fun shirt talking about because. That's that's part of the belief, right? Is is that is that healing power of barbecue? How barbecue helps people, you know, it makes them feel better. You know, we can't do anything about what happened to their house, but we sure can make them feel better. Yeah, absolutely, and I, and I mean the the way that you guys are doing it, you're, you're feeding people. Um, it's just it's amazing. I want to say thank you so much to both of you guys for coming on the show, hanging out with us, chatting barbecue. And telling us, you know, your guys' story and, and, and spreading the word. Um, Ed, I know we didn't get, we didn't get to your book. If you can do me a favor, tell everyone what it's called. The book is called. Well, I'm gonna let you do it. Now, uh, book is book. called book is called Smoked: One Man's Journey to Find Incredible Incredible Recipes, Standout Pitmasters, and the Stories Behind Them. Uh, again, 45 different pitmasters from all around the U.S. from um, Massachusetts to California, all the way down to Alabama, all over the place. Um, great little travel book. There's a lot of popular names in there. A lot of guys you maybe not didn't hear of. Some competition guys are in there, concession guys, caterers. Um, pretty much any type of the recipes on there can all be made at home. You don't need to have a you know $20,000 old hickory EL. Um, or you come to my house and borrow. I got a few of them here. So if you want to come to my house and we'll be doing some cooking and do some sipping, we can do that too. And that sounds fantastic. Now, normally I end the show by asking for – if you could go back into your barbecue uh, journey and give yourself three tips to help shorten that learning curve. So what I'm going to do is if you could go back into the Operation Barbecue journey and give yourself three tips to shorten the learning curve to get to where you guys are today, 
what would those three what would you give yourself those three tips first tip is you know i would have hired somebody a lot earlier than i did <laughs> you know um uh, second tip you know is is that uh, you know don't always you know don't always assume um you know that everybody's in it for the right reasons make sure that they are um you know unfortunately we've had people along the along the way that were more in it to promote themselves or their brand than they were to help people um so you know recognize that quicker and and then the last one you know is probably put better systems in place earlier you know we we weren't ready for the growth that we saw you know over the last over the last 24 to to 36 months we we weren't prepared for that growth so we didn't have we didn't have enough systems in place and part of that is we had no full-time people to help put those systems in place sounds good and ed you don't get off that easy <laughs> if you had to give yourself three tips on writing another book what would it be um well i'm happy to say book number two is coming out next april so Woo! Uh, okay yeah. so a third book we're yeah. gonna go third book <laughs> Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, that, that was, and that was my one biggest thing is, is a lot of, in the barbecue world, especially in barbecue, it's very intimidating. Um, even as myself, who I think I'm a, an accomplished guy working some, working the grill and behind, uh, behind the smoke. But, um, to be able to talk to somebody like a Carrie Bringle or a Billy Durney or Sam Jones to ask them a question, um, they're people, man. They're, they're really cool. And you get a chance just to talk with somebody, even, you know, somebody like Stan, don't, don't be afraid because, because we're all here to help each other. So, uh, you know, that's all I can tell everybody is, is if you have it and you, you want it, you know, don't be afraid to put the hustle into it and be afraid to, and don't be afraid to ask some questions. I mean, I will say you ask a barbecue, barbecue or a question, you better have about 45 minutes. That's about work. Yep. <laughs> Those nice by the pits are lonely. We need somebody to talk to. You know, somebody's like, Hey, what do you do? How much time do you got? I'll sit and talk yeah. to you forever. And <laughs> tell you it all, man. <laughs> That I think that's the most beautiful thing about the barbecue community. We all we all become we become family, and uh, uh, you know we don't mind sharing our our experiences and and how we do our things because at the end of the day we know that uh, you're going out and feeding people with that, and that that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. So I want to say thank you, thank you both of you guys for coming on the show. If you guys can both do me one last favor, tell everyone where they can follow your guys' journey on the internet, social media, all that stuff, anything you want to tag out. You can follow me, handsomedevilllc.com. I'm on Instagram, handsomedevilbarbecue. Um, but more importantly, follow Stan. Follow OBR. And, uh, you know, he's a great guy, and, and I, I just can't speak highly enough of what he's done for the barbecue world and even for everybody's local community. So uh, scratch, you know, dig in that pocket, grab a couple nickels, and uh, donate them to OBR. Yeah, thanks, Ed. Um, OBR.org, uh, you know, make it easy for you. OBR.org takes you to our website. You know, um, I, I tell everybody there's three things that everybody can do. You know, one, they can volunteer, you know, their time and get in there and they can go to our website and, and click that volunteer button. Um, two, if they can't volunteer, you know, uh, make a donation. Put, you know, go in there and, and donate some money. And if neither one of those things are, you know, 
um, something that you can do right now, go to our social media. You know, it's uh, OPBBQ Relief um, on, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and you know, share our share what we're doing, whether it's you know working uh, you know to to serve a military, you know, group or our first responders, or we're, we're doing something in the inner city to, to give somebody a hot meal, or we're out there on the front lines during a disaster feeding people, share that message with your friends and your family and, you know, the people that follow you. So we can get the word out to more people about what we're doing. So I just really appreciate the opportunity, you know, um, appreciate Ed and, and, uh, you know, his, uh, his group, you know, his team has uh, come out and and uh, really uh, been a big part of, you know, supporting us and and uh, we can't do it without all the support of you guys. Cheers. That, that is fantastic, guys. Thank you so much. You guys were you guys were amazing. Have a great day. Be good, everybody. Appreciate it, guys.